0: There's a couple of things that have really come together for me. That The first is this. If you've been around here, you know I'm a bit of a Navy SEALs podcast listener too. Um, that affliction is still present in my life, but there is good fruit that comes from it. And I was listening to this one guy talk about his time in Iraq. And so the Navy SEALs are one of the more trained soldiers in the world. And even just to get into it, you have to commit to going through Heck Week, which is really just seven days of um, being punished and tortured and afflicted in every possible way that they can think of without breaking any laws in order to get everybody who might quit to quit before they enter into the teams and end on the battlefield. So they're already highly skilled. I think I heard that by the time a Navy SEAL hits the the battlefield for the first time, they probably already shot off like a million rounds of ammunition, just that level of training. And if you know how much a round of ammunition costs, like these soldiers have been um, given millions of dollars of training before their first day on the job. And afflicted like crazy. And so I was listening to this one guy talk about his tour of duty in Iraq. And he was talking about driving through cities in Iraq and just knowing that almost any minute you're driving in one of these Humvees, a landmine might go off and blow up your vehicle. And he just had this line where he said, you know, I had all these skills and all all this training, but I wasn't ready for the mind game of knowing that any second you could explode. And I had to work on my mind game. So this is one of the things, just like one of the most tough, trained people on the world, realizing that his mindset was not there for the job he was actually called to do, and he had to learn how to grow and have a mindset that would allow him to thrive in those circumstances. And when I was listening to that, I was thinking, boy, I don't think my mind game has been up to the challenge of being a Christian in these times and wanting to grow in that. The other thing that happened was that um, our whole coming out of COVID party has been ruined by the potential of international war. And we do need to pray for Ukraine because one of the people in that battle has a lot of nuclear weapons and has been threatening to use them already. And that can happen. We live in a world where worse does come to worse sometimes. So let's not be naive. Sometimes the nukes go off. Lord Jesus, I hope it doesn't. But let's not put our hope in what can happen not happening. Instead, let's learn to grow into mature thinking that can face anything in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So something switched from, like, party COVID's gone to actually there is one of... And I know, like, there are other wars that have been happening. There's stuff in Yemen. There's other countries where uh, atrocities against civilians have been happening, but they haven't been as, like, grabbing the media's attention and stuff. But this is one of the first ones where... uh, there's lots of nukes involved, which ramps up the tension and the consequences for things going sideways. So let's be prayerful, but let's grow, okay? Let's not put our hope in things getting easier, because they might not. So hey church, let us mature think like this. So my main passage for today is from the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul writing from jail, says this to the church. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. This is a great little line. I like it. The Apostle Paul is promoting amongst his church as a way of thinking about the Christian life, which he is saying is the mature way of thinking about serving Jesus. There are immature ways of thinking about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow Jesus. Immaturity means not being able to get the job done. What's the difference between a mature person and an immature person? An immature person can't get the job done. Right? Okay, so we have like a million tons of snow all around, and some of it may need to get cleared off of the roof in the next week, Darian. When it comes to snow clearing... Imagine a person with a shovel and how much work they can get done. Imagine that person is five. Now imagine that person is 15. Now imagine that person is 25. Who can get the most work done? You hope the 25-year-old kind of at the peak of their physical abilities, peak of physical maturity, and hopefully also has the mind game possible to appreciate doing the job well that 15-year-olds don't always had. God bless you guys. Sometimes you need to get uh, negotiated with, right? So maturity means being able to do the job well. Immaturity means not being able to function the way you could. And Paul is saying, let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will will reveal that also to you. And I love the way Paul's doing this here, because he's kind of saying, if you want to be mature, or if you consider yourself to be mature in Christ, you're thinking like me. And if you disagree with me, don't worry, God will change your mind. Congratulations, you're wrong. you catch that? And if in anything you think otherwise, the Holy Spirit will, will change, will convert you to my way of thinking. So, you're free. This isn't optional. There's only really, this is part of it. And part of my heart here is, if you were with our leadership meeting we had a few weeks ago, we talked about the fivefold ministry growing. Anybody get excited about that? The whole point of concentrating on that is to produce mature Christians. Okay, It's not about being excited about the prophetic or the teaching or apostolic or whatever. All those things exist to produce mature Christians and mature churches. And so I'm on target with this. I'm focusing on what does it mean to be mature in your thinking in a way that we can actually do the job. Amen? You're on track with me? And I want us to be mature in our thinking in case... In the context of like everything maybe getting better, all of a sudden things go sideways and they get worse. So I don't want us to get taken out because immaturity gets taken out. Maturity grows. So what is Paul talking about where he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. What way? Is anybody hungry yet to figure out what way? Anybody kind of hoping you already think like that? (laughs) Anybody worried you don't think like that? We'll just let the stress and anxiety sit for a little bit. Awkward, awkward, awkward. That's my speciality. I have the spiritual gift of making people feel uncomfortable from the front. Anybody put on weight during COVID? It was his church. you got to tell the truth. Put your hand up. You can't lie. No liars allowed. Okay. More context from Scripture. The Apostle Paul saying, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. And here's the exclamation mark. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Now we're going to unpack more. We're going to back up even a little bit more because he's talking about this thing he hasn't obtained yet. But I want to highlight, I believe the mature thinking that the Apostle Paul wants every Christian to have is this. A fanatical obsession with pursuing what Jesus has for you now and next. A fanatical obsession, a straining forward, a leaving the past behind and leaning into Christ's future of what Jesus Christ has called you to serve him today and go to heaven for tomorrow. That that's the mindset. Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's the mature thinking. Whatever I've gone through, I give it to Christ. Whatever I'm dealing with, it's all about Christ. And my future is all about getting what Jesus has for me until I see him face-to-face on that final day. Whether it's kicking the bucket or his glorious return, doesn't matter too much but the mature Christian mind is obsessed with doing what Jesus wants at any cost and in any context. Mature Christian thinking believes that wherever you are, Christ has a mission and a goal and a prize and the blessings of life is to be in step with the Spirit doing what he wants you to do. That's grown-up Christian thinking. Am I making this up? Does that make sense? Is there a laser on here? Laser. You know it's true when there's a laser involved. (laughs) I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. You're seeing reality as it is. Jesus Christ came to the earth, the eternal Son of God, who has always existed, in time became a man, lived this life under the law, obeying his Father from the heart and according to the law of Moses, but was treated as a sinner and went to the cross and died for sin and was really dead, but rose on the third day by a miracle of the Holy Spirit and ascended into heaven and is ruling and raising Reigning, and will return and will judge the living and the dead and will send the wicked to hell and will reward his servants for their faithful service with heaven forever. That's reality. And the mature Christian thinker is in line and is lining up their life with this reality and is going, while I still live in this in-between time, I am here to maximize my prize at the end of my life by doing the most God-glorifying good work I can with my life. Does that make sense? I think that's what he's talking about here. The goal of a prize in Jesus Christ. This upward call to treasure heaven over earth and to lay aside everything I can to get everything I can. So what does this forgetting mean? I was talking with a brother about this a couple days ago. He's like, what does it mean to forget? Because most of this stuff, like, you can't forget the stuff that it seems like he wants you to forget. So let's, let's just, this is what I think. Four things that we're called to forget when we're following Christ. Our strengths, our weaknesses, our hurts, and our sins. And we're going to forget them in a way that we forget them well. By God's grace. That's the hope. Number one, forgetting our strengths. I'm saving myself from regretting missing some, some notes I put down. So I went skiing this last week. It's one of the highlights of my year. Thank you, Steinbeck Christian School, for having a ski day and for letting parents come along. We're there for the kids, I promise. <laughs> That's not true. I love seeing the kids progress. And some there were some Calvary kids there as well. And it's a great opportunity to spend a little extra time with the Calvary kids that are there. And I think I took some videos. If your kids were there, you may ask me. I took some pictures and videos of some of the kids, and I haven't sent them yet. But I was out there skiing on, at this place we were going, and Manitoba skiing is so funny because most of the time you go skiing in Manitoba, you're actually going down a ditch, <laughs> not a mountain, right? True fact, true story, and I'm not judging because I am so grateful, but usually when you're skiing in Manitoba, it's like prairie, and then a river has cut a ditch into something, and then you ski down into the ditch instead of like going up a mountain and coming down the mountain. You're essentially just falling. But it's so fun to go out there. And I was out there with uh, Micah, who did so well to go from never having carried some skis before in his life to just bombing down the slope. So proud of him. Overcoming those moments. There's always that moment where you just get sent back up to the top of the bunny run because you didn't do your curves right, which is so discouraging. And I overcame that. Really proud of him. Anyhow, I'm on the ski hills, and I'm just remembering that this is my sport. Uh, when I grew up, my dad worked for Whistler Ski Hill. He was the vice president of finance from as young as I can remember. So I grew up with the free skis and the free lift passes. When we went for a ski day, that was like once a week, all winter. <laughs> it felt like that my class would go skiing, and we went to like real mountains. And so I've been skiing since I was like four or five. A lot. And then did the snowboarder thing, which is harder to learn at the beginning but a little bit easier at the end, but when you fall over it always looks terrible because both of your legs are strapped together, which usually is a sign of death or torture, but whatever. <laughs> it's fun to watch. And so I'm on these on these ski slopes going like Hey, I'm actually okay at a sport. And I get up in front of Calvary all the time and I'm like, I'm not athletic. eh." But it's only because we live as far away from a real mountain as you can on this planet. I'm actually sporty. But I I know it's so funny. End of message, you know, mic drop. I guess it's harder to do when it's on your ear, but whatever. (laughs) But I've totally forgotten my strength to be here serving the Lord. And there's something about that as well that the Apostle Paul is touching on when he's Talking about this, forgetting what 's behind, and he 's going to list all of the religious and spiritual strengths he had, the things that made him strong and important before he made Jesus in this passage we 're about to read. He says, "I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more." circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, which the first Israelite king came from, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Who could say that? But who, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and can count them as crap in order that I may gain Christ. That's what it means in the Greek, by the way. In order that I may gain... I'm not even joking. That's what the Greek word means. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and that I might share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. He's gone from being a man obsessed with the strength of law keeping to being obsessed with being conformed to the death of Jesus. He's totally forgot his strength. That's crazy but it's the path to Jesus. Hey, church, mature thinking also learns to forget our weaknesses. We have a way of thinking about weaknesses where we believe that they are the limits of our lives. Amen? You're not good at something... Don't try it. Something stresses you out, don't do it. You have anxiety, don't go for it. You have discouragement, stay at home. We have this way of thinking about life where if we can't buy it and we can't win it and we can't learn it from imitating a YouTube video, then we quit. We're done. Full stop. That is not the way of mature Christian thinking. We're even called to learn how to forget our weaknesses In the service of Christ. Because Jesus alone gets to decide what we can and can't do. And even sometimes he will grace us with tremendous weaknesses. So that when we do what he tells us to do anyways. It increases our worship and increases his glory. The Apostle Paul in a different book. He's talking about again how as an apostle. He had this experience where he either went to heaven or was given a vision of heaven, and it was so intense and clear that he wasn't even allowed to talk about what he saw. And God was concerned that Paul would become proud and arrogant because of his experiences, so he gives him this weakness. And it says this in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 7 through 11. It says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of these revelations a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So if you knew that God had given you a messenger from Satan to harass you, wouldn't you call it quits? Maybe you'd pray about it. Okay, let's see what praying does for Paul. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So, no. That's the answer. No. Messenger from Satan, thorn in the flesh, can you take this away so that I can serve you easier? Jesus says, no. Anybody full of resentment against the Lord yet? Anybody feel unloved yet? Anybody throwing in the towel yet? this is you? this is me? Totally. I would. Razzle, frazzle, bumble, numble. Call me to do hard things and make it harder? Razzle, frazzle, bumble, numble. There's this one uh, Navy SEAL story. It's not going to stop. If you can't handle the SEALs, I'm sorry. But it's just, one of the training was learning about using an underwater respirator, a scuba gear, in the bottom of a tank. And the Guy running the test. So you were just supposed to sit at the bottom of a pool breathing a scuba gear for 20 minutes. But the guy running the test would just, he was swimming in the pool and he would go down and he'd pull the thing out of his mouth and then go back to the top, take a breath, swim down, pull the thing out of his mouth, go back up to the top, swim down, pull the thing out of his mouth. So it was 20 minutes of just having the scuba thing yanked out of this one seal's mouth. Anybody? Would that be frustrating? Yeah. And then, when it was over, the instructor said, no, You didn't look comfortable down there, so I'm going to fail you on this. Probably just to find out what the guy would do with the injustice. Will you quit? So here's Paul. Sounds unjust. It's not like Paul was asking you to go to heaven. Jesus chose for that to happen, and then because of the experience, gave him the the messenger from Satan, whatever that is. I I think it's most likely this eye disease he's dealing with. You can tell from other books of the Bible he had eye problems, but I could be wrong. Praise that it would go away doesn't go away. Instead, there's a more important lesson to learn than having your weaknesses removed, and that's the power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul's apostolic, mature mindset is this. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak... Then I am strong. Anybody here want power from the Lord? Anybody here know you're asking for tremendous weaknesses? Just Dave? (laughs) Dave's learned his lesson by now. And Lynn as well. Yeah, we want tons of spiritual power. But unless we've been deeply wounded, we're just going to kill ourselves with it. God wants the cross on display, not the boss on display. Let's keep rolling. Hey, church, let the mature think like this. We need to learn how to forget our hurts even. So the Apostle Paul, he's writing from prison, which is already a bit of a letdown, calling us to... Forget everything that's past and just be straining towards Christ. And I kind of wonder what he thinks he's doing. Because if you're like, I'm going to strain towards Christ, you got to go places, right? He's shackled in a a cell. I'm straining towards Christ. I can't walk five feet, but I'm straining towards Christ. It's like, he was a madman. I love him. But one of the things that was going on was that while he was in prison, um, people in his churches... We're busy about some business. And some of them were preaching Jesus to like support Paul as he's in prison, but some people were actually like out there talking about Jesus in order to hurt Paul. So this is at the beginning of the letter of Philippians. He's explaining his circumstances here, and he says this Some indeed preach Christ. So Paul's out of commission. And other people are working. He says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. And he goes on from there. But for me, this is like an impossible mindset for Canadians. Like you take a stand for the gospel and they throw you in the clink and your brothers and sisters in Christ see this as an opportunity to make things worse for you. Okay, that could happen. But to see a heart just be like, well, at least they're still talking about Jesus. Like it's almost, like he's, I'm sure Paul's hurt. Right? just like we all would be. But what's he doing with it? He's finding a way to let it contribute towards him being conformed to the death of Jesus, who was also rejected by some brothers and sisters more than once. And so he's like, well, it, it looks like the gospel's still advancing, even though I'm not a lot of people's hero right now, and that's something to be happy about. And for me in my life, I'm just looking to not be dominated by things anymore. First Corinthians six verse twelve. He's talking about um, sexual behavior here, but he's he's confronting these these Corinthian Christians who have a theology of being able to go visit prostitutes, and they kind of say about themselves, "All things are lawful for me." And he says, "Yeah, all things are lawful." He quotes them. He says, "But not all things are helpful." All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. And I hear this mature, apostolic view of life, that whatever I'm going through and whatever I've been through, I will not let anything dominate me but Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. I won't be dominated by anything but the Holy Spirit. That's wonderful. What good news that there is power in Christ to overcome everything or for whatever stays there to assume that God has a good purpose for it in your mission to follow Jesus and to win a wonderful prize at the end of your life in serving him. Speaking of the goodness of hurting, arm-waving has reminded me. I went to the Cairo the other week, and somebody was wondering if it had to do with the arm-waving. <laughs> and it didn't. I'm still working out for worship. It's really funny, you know? I'm just like, do these exercise videos. It's like, because I don't want to be done worship, and then come up here and be like, oh, okay, guys, oh, whoa, let's read Scripture together, which used to be the case. But... um. Like a year and a half ago, I was at those outdoor um, trap machines, which some people call exercise equipment. You know the ones I'm talking about at Abe's Hill, there, where where just people walk by and they're like, "Sure, I can do dips," and then they collapse on their face there because it's actually really hard. And I was trying to do dip, and I think I hurt something here, and I was just expecting it to get better on its own, and, but it wasn't. It was just painful. I can do push-ups, you know, some movements really hurt. Uh, plus, I hit 40, so the you know the warranty off the the new car smell is gone. The warranty is over. I'm paying full price, no aftermarket parts for this for any repairs. So I finally went to the Cairo for it, and he's talking to me about stuff, and building some rapport, and you know just working on this old bag of bones. And he gets behind me and he says, "You know this might feel uncomfortable," and because I'm a, I want to be a t- speaker of truth. I said to him, "Liar." This is going to kill. Just do it. <laughs> you know, that was my response. You no, know, I was paying him, so he behaved himself. But you know, I just called him out right there. And he put his fingers right in where he thought was the sore muscle and just went for it. And if, if it was not in a chiropractic office, it would have been Assault. Do you know what I mean? If somebody had just walked up to you on the street and done that, the cops would have been involved in five minutes flat. It was so painful. And then once I was really wincing and whinging, then he just moved around to the next spot, and he just went at it like no mercy. No mercy whatsoever. Because if he'd been merciful, I wouldn't have gotten better. It hurt like crazy, and I feel so much better. And now just a few stretches every once in a while, all good. A short, intense time of the worst in order for an extended time of much better. And often, immature thinking says, I don't want to face the intensity of suffering, and so we just get used to low-grade discomfort that doesn't have to be there where choosing to face high-grade, intense suffering in faith in Christ can get you freer in the long term. Amen? All right. You guys are being great. One last one. Forgetting our sins in the right way. The Apostle Paul never forgot that he was a church persecutor. Do you remember even we talked about before We said, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, his activities in serving God actually led to Christians being, at least in prison, but most likely condemned to death. And when Jesus saved Paul, he didn't save Paul by coming and saying, Paul, I love you, you're such a wonderful guy. He came and confronted him on the road to Damascus, struck him blind and said, why are you persecuting me? When God says you're persecuting me, that's not a sign that your relationship's in a good place. So Paul was terribly sinning against the Lord and had sinned against Christ and other Christians hugely. But he has a mature way of thinking about his sinful past in a way that did not become an anchor and bondage to him, but instead propelled him forward in service to Christ. And so you see in 1 Timothy, he writes this, he says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief, And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience, as an example to those who would believe in Him for eternal life. This is how you leave your sins behind. You meditate on them in a way to maximize your appreciation of God's love and mercy towards you because you really are forgiven for them and really are loved in spite of them. And you become the most full-hearted, expressive, total-souled worshiper of this God who has saved you with so much mercy. You don't ignore it. You don't deny it. You don't lie about it. You take time sometimes to meditate on all that God has forgiven you for because He really does save sinners. The blood of Jesus really does cover your sins. He really does forgive with His whole heart. And really does welcome you home joyfully with total joy. Jesus Christ came in the world to really save sinners. To pick up garbage and go, I love this stuff. This is going to be my treasure. And rework it in hope. And transform it with mercy. And choose it to be with him forever as his family. It's true for all of you. Did you know a lot of people in Steinbach grow up in church but they don't grow up believing this? That Jesus really loves sinners like loves loves them and wants them. Did you know that's true? That a lot of people grow up in the Bible belt but they don't grow up convinced that Jesus Christ wants sinners like me And you, and enjoys us, and treasures us, and has a hope and a purpose for us. So I want you to forget your sins in the right way, where you only remember them as a trophy of how much God has loved you. And you sing to Him. And you dance for Him. Charles, do we need more dancing in the churches in Steinbeck? You must sometimes wonder if we're even worshipping. There are one, as they get going, they do this thing, right? They got all the muscles. If you're not tired after church, there's lots of room at the front. But this is how you forget your sins. You put them in the category of inspiring worship. And this should fuel us forever. So there's this uh, power station in Ukraine that's just been seized by the Russians. Chernobyl. anybody remember this? OK? It's a nuclear power plant. And what people do with nuclear power pan- plants is they I think they use enriched uranium and they start a controlled atomic explosion. Well, it doesn't quite explode, but it goes reactive. And if you control it, it is one of the most powerful sources of energy that mankind has ever invented. And really clean, too, except for the garbage. But it's so dangerous. If you get around those things, the radiation will melt your body. The the particles coming off of it, um, it, like, degrades your, your cells and your DNA. And if you get a radiation overexposure, you kind of just melt as your cells decompose. So dangerous. So incredibly powerful. And the same is true about our sin. Without Christ, it is so dangerous. It will just destroy us and kill us. It will just rob us of everything we love and it will take us to be separate from God forever. But held in the right place, on the altar of the living God, it will fuel your service to Him with power for the rest of your life because of His great mercy to us. Plus, it is a wonderful tool for outreach. The more we know how much we're forgiven, the more it is an example to those who might believe in Christ. Everything Jesus has forgiven us of, he can forgive other people for. And we can tell them that Jesus can do that too. Amen? So wrapping that up, let's wrap this up. Band, you're on notice. Friends, if you aren't living knowing that Jesus loves you and that his power is greater than your weakness and that his forgiveness is way bigger than your past or your present, I want to just invite you home. Jesus came in the world to save people just like you. Whatever you've done, whatever you are, whatever accusations you have against yourself in your mind, come home. Come home to Christ. He will love you more than you could ever love yourself. He hung on a cross till death so that everything that might ever separate you from an eternity with God would be dealt with right there and go into a grave. So come home. Don't let your past, don't let your old church, don't let your old anything keep you from a full walk with Christ today. And if you're a believer in Christ, let's together strive for this mature way of thinking that everything in our life is about going hard after Jesus. And everything in our life can serve us powerfully walking with the Lord. And all God's people said,